Welcome to the newest episode of the Arcade Age podcast, Ribbit Ribbit, the Frogger episode. So Frogger releases September 28th, 1981. It's released by Sega in North America, Sega Gremlin in North America. And I think we all know the gameplay of Frogger. If you don't, for some somehow you haven't played this game in your life, uh, we'll explain it very quickly. Yes. But you guide frogs into their little homes across busy streets, through rivers, and over uh, getting hit by cars and crocodiles on the rivers. You have to hop onto, it's not the backs of alligators, it's the logs, right? I you think can, there is an alligator. There's alligators. You hop on the backs of alligators, uh, onto the logs on the backs of the... Uh, the, Don't you um, have to avoid the alligators though? Oh, maybe you, you have to avoid the alligators. I want to yeah. say I want to say the alligators are. It's kind of like a like a half and half. It's where like the front side where yes. his head is. It'll the like front open side, like pitfall. If okay. you if you hit the front side, he bites you and eats you. Right. Yeah. Alligators typically want bigger game. Frog. It's yeah. like and the turtles and a pair will of teeth. dive or flip over and kick you off. No, right. if I'm going to be yes. honest though. It is a pretty damn big frog. That's like fair. When you look at the proportions. I mean, it's the it's, size it's of the cars. It's, yeah, so. it's a big it's a, game. It's a prehistoric frog. Right. Yes. I mean, it's half the size of the semi-trucks that are driving down. So. This is true. It's frog-historic. Yeah. Right. How much do you think the frog weighed? Like 600 pounds? Yeah. Half a ton. Mm-hmm. Just about. Okay. Half ton frog. Uh, I don't remember the snakes. There's also snakes, which I guess we'll mention. I don't know. Um you run into those and you die. You go into the alligator's mouth, you die. You get hit by a car, you die. Uh, pretty pretty simple gameplay. The point is, though, to get all of your frogs across the street into their little frog dens, holes, holes. whatever, in the other side of the river. Which, to be fair, I never completely understood because you see, like, there's, like, the grass patches, right? When I used to play Frogger, like, when I first picked up Frogger at the arcade, I would try to land on the grass, because you're not supposed to land in the water the entire time going through it. But then, at the very end, you get a yeah, little, you take a little dip. The frogs need to go to the, the, the hole at the end. Yeah, that's, no, I know what you mean, yeah. Because yeah. they're like those little black yeah. gaps those in the middle of the grass. Yeah. And that's where you're supposed to get to. And you try right. to land on the grass, it's like, oh. Right. Well, well they're blue gaps, they're the same color as water. And yeah. when you think of it, if you fall in the water, you're an amphibious creature. Right. Yeah. Why do you die? That's a I mean, fantastic that's a big plot question. hole right there. It's yeah. a plot hole right there in Frogger. That's right. What do you think they should have used besides a frog then? No, it's per- it's it's perfect. It's Frogger. Frog. Ugh, whatever. I don't know. What do you, what you can't call it Frogger. Frog, uh, but but we're saying like uh, frogs like, go in water. Yeah, yeah, we need to figure out an animal that's the similar size of a Dude. frog. Dude, that that can't swim in water. That you make drown. it. You make it a cat. Uh, uh, and you call it kitty. Wow. <laughs> okay, so the game is created by Akira Hashimoto at Konami. Uh, he is stopped in traffic at a traffic light, and he sees a frog struggling to cross the road because of all of the cross traffic. And so he actually gets out of his car, picks up the little frog, and gets it to the other side, and that's where he gets the idea for Frogger, um, almost getting killed in morning traffic to rescue him. Yeah, but pretty frog. simple. Like He's like, uh, I'm just going to turn this into a game. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also in Japan, to step out in the middle of traffic in Japan, you oh, might it's probably wanna, a great idea. Yeah, you might want to pick a better location to do that. Probably like anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere, anywhere else. Yeah, well, you know what matters. Maybe it was like in rural Japan. There's not too many That's cars true. in rural Japan. You ever see like uh, like any Ghibli films? They're all in like rural Japan. It's beautiful. No this cars. 
All right, he's got a point. I mean, I also, you know, I find it, you know, a little, you know, sure, maybe the guy's just, you know, being honest, but that kind of sounds like a fabricated story to me. It sounds a little bit too much like, you know, the, the pie of pizza with a couple slices Pac-Man taken away in Pac-Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah right. It, it sounds like urban legend type of thing. Yeah, well, you never know. Uh, so Konami first publishes this game in Japan. Sega buys the world ride, world... So, <laughs> so Konami publishes this game first in Japan. Sega buys the worldwide rights in July of 81 and publishes it in North America and Europe. Um, what about in the notes you have Sega slash Gremlin? So what's what's the difference? It's Sega Gremlin still at that point. Okay, they're just a merged company at yeah. that point and they separate yeah. later at some <coughs> For point? For arcades, yeah. Okay. Um, so Sega Gremlin doesn't want to put it out initially because it was too basic. Um and too cute to apparently make them any money. Yeah, they don't like it. think anyway. They don't like it. And one of their marketing researchers, who's one of the people who believes in this idea, is Elizabeth Falconer. Falconer or Falconer? I would say Falconer. Sounds cooler. Falconer sounds cooler. Falconer sounds cooler. We'll go with Falconer. Falcone makes it sound a little Italian. Falconer's a badass. She's a badass. And so she's the market researcher, and she sees this game in this video presentation... And she pushes for the 90-day licensing to get the prototypes out to test it. Um, she has to convince the executives first, though, because they don't believe that this game is going to make money. They think it's just a kid's game or, worse, a woman's game. Oh, no. Exactly. And they're like, this isn't going to make us any money. Initially, it gets rejected um, by Jack Gordon, who kind of throws it at her and says, no, we're not doing this. This is a woman in a kid's game. But Falconer throws it right back at him and says that these are the same executives who rejected Pac-Man, probably right. for the same reasons. Right. She calls them out so. in like an executive board meeting right. at Paramount, which is the parent company, and throws all these guys under the bus to each other and says, yeah. hey, you were all the dummies who didn't believe in Pac-Man. I thought Pac-Man was a kid's game. It was a woman's game. It wasn't going to do anything. Now look at it. And Pac-Man's the biggest game of all time at this point. Right. Yeah, you put that in your pipe and smoke it. Exactly. Falconer. She's the one saying this, but... Bad woman. So she continues by explaining Frogger's gameplay and patterns are easy to memorize uh, and that its colors are attractive. It's those bright pastel colors that pulls mm. people again. Mm. Again, like Pac-Man, like Ms. Pac-Man, right? Yellows mm-hmm. and blues and all Centipede, that Centipede, millipede, same thing, yeah. Centipede, right. And it has a killer soundtrack. Not a trackball. <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> so the room goes quiet, and apparently one of the suits, again, maybe myth, whatever, says just let her have her goddamn kids game. Right. And they agree. They pay Konami $3,500 a day for a 60-day window. Uh, Konami ships the game to Big Sega. Bad. They build a prototype. They send it out to San Diego, a place called Spanky Saloon. Spanky Saloon. Spanky. Is, is Spanky still around? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. We I'm, should. I'm, I'm gonna go off on, on, on a. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna Please. think if, if you name if you name your place Spanky's, the chances are it's not gonna last. See, too long. see, you no, know, but I, in, I uh, hope it's around. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's in New I Park or Floral Park. There's a Spanky's uh, burger place. Oh, it's right I by Dunkin' Donuts, right by Ace Hardware. Represent. I um. found I found a matchbook for the place on eBay for okay. five bucks. That's not bad. Twenty eight fifty five Midway Drive. Hmm. 
near Rosecrans, San Diego. So we I might. guess the place is defunct. That'd we be good to go on a that'd be good field trip. Yeah, that'd be good for the archives, yeah. Seamus. Mm-hmm. For the archives, yeah. Spanky's matchbook. Spanky's matchbook. Yeah, we'll get a corporate funding field trip. Mm-hmm. It's for research. <laughs> so it tests well. A predominantly male audience gives it most of its money. Right. And that's what Sega Gremlin needs to see. They start selling it right away in October of 81. Um, and it ends up making $135 million in North America. Just um, in the arcade. Yeah, just in the arcades. Yeah. So not, not too bad for a woman in a kid's game. <laughs> So we just finished. We just finished like our introduction. Could you put those scissors down? No. Why? What the hell are you doing with I'm them? I'm playing with them. Jesus, You're scaring the shit. Why out am of I me. scaring you? <laughs> They're children's safety scissors. They're not even sharp, Zach. You know this place. They're I'm, not even sharp. I'm not in your hands. <laughs> I'm a dangerous man. All right, whatever. Back to the podcast. All right, whatever. Back to Frogger. Um, yeah. So we just finished up like the intro. Okay. Thing. So. Where do you want to go? Let's let's talk about Frogger. Let's talk about the machine. We have one. Yeah. Uh, our Frogger is in really nice condition. It is. Um, it's a beautiful machine. I love the game. Um, I think it's a very sought-after game. In it's terms it's of like Pac-Man. Games. It's very simple. It's just a joystick. <clears throat> There's not even any buttons. Just a joystick. No buttons. One or two players start. It's in a typical... Sega Gremlin cabinet for that era, so they put lots of games in that. That particular like wood grain side cabinet, yeah. and then the side art kind of floats in the middle of it. Uh, the marquee is very very pretty when it lights up, and I think that the gameplay itself. I mean, you said it before it's simple, but it's 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 so simplistic. It's just like. Any yeah, any kid can pick that game up. Anybody can pick that game up, and I think it's it says a lot about that game because it's so easy. That makes it so incredibly desirable as well for collectors and for people to play in the arcade. Everyone remembers it fondly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like uh, like newer people come into the arcade and stuff. They're similar. How do I say it? They've seen it already with right. uh, with a lot of modern like Apple games and stuff like that. Crossy Road was a, a really big one that was quite literally the same thing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of kids know Crossy Road and a lot of games that are similar that they see Frogger and they already know just by the way that the whole game looks exactly how they're going to go about playing right. it. So it's very, you know, inviting. Yeah, well, I mean, this is another one of those games that everyone has played at least once like even if you've never touched an arcade machine or even like a video game console before you've played frogger it was on every cell phone you know every nokia whatever cell phone um also just like pac-man which i don't think we talked about in our pac-man episodes uh there are still like frogger games being released and they're like kind of puzzle platformer games so i i had one on the game boy advance as a kid Really? Yeah, yeah, I forget what it was called. But basically imagine the the plot, not the plot, but the concept of Frogger, where you're like jumping around, but just put that in all kinds of different areas, like a secret temple and stuff like that. So like they change it up by like making you go to different places, but it's the same gameplay. You're just jumping around and avoiding things. Well, frogs were in Egypt. That's right. Yes. 
that that was the plot of this game. You were one of the frogs during that. And very much like Pac-Man, that the game gains ground with people because of its port. So it's ported to everything basically, but the 1982 Atari 2600 port, when Parker Brothers gets the rights to publish it to Atari, on launch they make $40 million. By the end of that year, the 2600 had sold, or Parker Brothers had sold for the 2600, four million cartridges, and it was about $80 million in revenue. I mean, that's insane. That's insane. Business is booming. And to be fair, it's not its not a bad 2600 port. We've talked before oh. about the problems with the 2600. Jesus. Pac-Man, mm-hmm. the greatest game on the system. <laughs> um, but Frogger is actually a decent port. I think it even has the music, doesn't it? Yeah, the Arcade Express reviewed the Atari VCS version, the Atari 2600 version 82. And they called it a highly authentic translation of the coin-op hit that combines great ga- graphics and sophisticated play action. So people really thought highly of that port. You know, they went on to say, someone goes on to say, uh, basically if you like the arcade version, you know, you can save your quarters and just play the home version yeah. on 2600. And the, the other thing that probably helps them is that since it was a Sega game, um, they Sega doesn't have a home console at this time, so they just put it on everybody else's. Right. So it's on the Atari, it's on the ColecoVision, it's on the Intellivision, I'm pretty sure. It's on pretty much everything. It's so, also uh, the Commodore because... It's on the Commodores, yeah. Well, because a lot of the platforms also had ROM cartridges and magnetic media. So Commodore 64 and, you know, platforms like that received several versions of the game right yeah on disc or whatever right Mm -hmm. which is also interesting if you want to play on disc or on cart whatever so that's that's got to add to its kind of legendary fame as well yeah i mean it makes perfect sense where if you have a game and it winds up on multiple platforms that in itself has to show the success of the game it's not going to wind up on different platforms if it doesn't sell oh yeah no it has to sell for it to do that on a quick tangent here um like, you know, the the Commodore specifically, I'm pretty sure, had a cassette deck, like a game add-on? Yeah, yeah. I think so is the VIC-20. Yeah, it was pretty common for work? computers at the time. Like, like, what is it, play a frequency? Then- yeah, it's basically like a data frequency that the computer just reads from the tape. The funny thing That's is, crazy. it the computer does not care where the sound comes from. You could play it on your phone, and it works the same. There were, like radio shows that would play certain frequencies that you could like plug your computer into or something it was it's just that's crazy yeah it's literally just it's a like data a, transfer like thing. phone freaking you know yeah. what phone freaking yeah, yeah. It, you got a bunch of nerds in like the 80s with just like a, a cassette recorder just going to the pay phones just playing the sound <laughs> that is still the craziest thing to me i watched like a whole video on that i was like How yeah does... i think it was was it the 8-bit guy that did a video yep. on it yeah. yeah that's the one i've seen good video you talked about captain crunch <laughs> yep I got a slight tangent, but it's more relatable. Is it a tangent of our tangent? Yes. Okay. It's a tangent within the tangent. Let's go. But it's okay. more, um, you know, relating to Frogger, which is good. Okay. Um, so Seinfeld had an episode of George Costanza. That's right. This is very true. Where he is. This is very true. Frog- Isn't he moving a furniture piece? Through? No. No, he has to move. 
No, it's it's he a frog the frogger machine. Cabinet oh, to keep his high score. Yeah, is like in this pizza right. place or something, <laughs> and he notices that he has the high score. Right, and he's like, he's like Jerry. This is like my crowning achievement in my life. I need, and I think the pizza place is closing down or something. Yes. So he buys the frogger machine from him, but he has to get it to his apartment without like unplugging it because it'll reset the score. He needs this score. Which so. makes no sense, but it's still, it's fantastic. Whatever. It's fantastic. Um, well, I'm not sure if that has a battery save or not. If those originally had battery saves or not. Well, I think... Probably it, did. I think but, Kramer, like, yeah. knows a guy who can, like, jury-rig it to save it for, like, a couple minutes or whatever. Because <laughs> um, that's why... And then he has to, like, bring it somehow. He ends up bringing it across the street. I don't know why he has to do that. But He's playing Frogger with the Frogger cabinet. With the Frogger cabinet. <laughs> On the streets of New York City. George is getting upset. Right, yes. <laughs> he did, because at the end of the episode, doesn't it get hit by a truck or something? Yeah. It does. yeah. Kill independent George. Killed Frogger <laughs> high score George. <laughs> so Frogger is a movie star. Yeah. I mean, a uh, TV star. TV star, well. And one well, is he in later movies? Is he, is, is he featured in... Huh. Can we think of oh, anything? I'm, sh- I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure. Is he featuring any of those Adam Sandler movies? Well, you know whatever? what? I want to say he might be in Ready Player One. Is he? Oh, I maybe. I think so. I mean, well, I mean, every single arcade cabinet has some sort of Easter egg in that movie. Everyone's in Ready Player One. So can we just go back to that cassette thing? Can we go back to that cassette interface thing? Yeah, sure. So apparently... They're originally used in the computers to convert digital data to and from analog tones. Does that make sense, Chris? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's... <clears throat> well, I guess it's an The analog. Commodore data set um, is a magnetic tape data storage device. Using cassettes and store, as the storage medium, it provides inexpensive storage to the Commodore's 8-bit personal computers. Notably, the Commodore 64, and as I was saying, the VIC-20. The VIC-20, yeah. Yeah, the Atari computers had their own data sets, too. Um, most computers at the time did. I mean, I guess if you think about it, there's nothing, you know, that's that's what a VHS player is doing, is it's just converting information into something else, you know? Yeah. There's nothing inherently video on a VHS tape. No, it's not It's not that complicating. Yeah, yeah, it's more of just, yeah, like you said, it's kind of more data numbers yeah. and stuff that's telling the electron ray to shoot onto the CRT. Mm-hmm. Supposedly there's a frogger scene in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I don't know, I just Is saw there? three articles, so I'm going a little bit okay. deeper. It appears, in, uh, frogger appears in Wreck-It Ralph, Pixels, and Ralph Breaks Internet. Wreck-It Ralph was a good movie. I never saw it. I saw it once, like 10 years ago. It's good. It's cute. Yeah, I think you should see it, Seamus. It does very well for the arcade. Definitely promotes the arcade. Yeah. No. Frogger cool. is mentioned. This is, there's a song, Frogger, by Bad Religion. 1984, really? 1984 album, Back, Back to the Known. The song Frogger describes Los Angeles traffic as playing Frogger with my life. The song uses a sample from the game as its intro. Really? I need to hear yeah. this. Well, I, need to, well, well, I need to pull, find this I'm right now. I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, Let's no. See. The oh, song boy. is called Frogger? What, wh- yeah. Which album was it off of? Back to the Back, back to, the, to known. the Known. Is this another record that you have to add to your collection, Seamus? It might be, yeah. Ooh, yeah, this, this, this might be like a, the archives. This might be a, what's it called? The arcade. 
Am I gonna get a, busted uh, for playing this right now? Probably. You can play a couple yeah. seconds. You gotta do little snippets. Jesus Christ. Hell yeah. This is early bad religion. Yeah, yeah it's not even on Spotify. Alright, Janice, caught it. Yeah, you just don't want to get... Yeah, you want to go like 12 seconds at most. Yeah. We went a little more than that, so we're going to have to cut that sure. so we don't get sued. Oh, no. Yeah, we can't get sued. Bad religion, Well, it all matters. Is us. bad religion signed under <laughs> Warner Bros.? Because if they're signed under Warner Bros., yeah, I'll cut it. But if they're not, then we're not going to get any. We issue. do not own any copyrights to the L.A. traffic featuring to Frogger. Frogger. Also, bad, bad religion. religion. If, you try, to, if you try to take this down, you're not a real punk band. Fuck you. <laughs> going, going back to the uh, Seinfeld episode, the first score to have been verified as having beaten the fictional George Costanza Seinfeld score of 860... 1,630 points. It was set by Pat LaFay in December of 2009, and he got 896,980 points. Yeah, but did Pat have to cross a New York City road while playing Frogger? I don't think so. I don't know. Someone beat him after that. Then he reset and scored the high score again. He's from Connecticut. Local guy. And he set the high score again in 2017, at 1,029,990 points. He's the first and only uh, only person ever to break a million points on an original arcade Frogger machine. Doesn't count until you have to cross traffic. Amateur. Well, he's the first guy to break a million points. Of course it counts. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, a million points on Frogger, that's hard. Man. Yeah. Dude, I can yeah. get past the first two, maybe three stages. Yeah, well, shit just like starts getting so fast. Yeah. Well, then the game resets. After like four or five stages, whatever it resets and gets easier, then it ramps up again. Yeah, but uh, so it cycles. That I think that makes it even trickier. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. might even yeah. mess me up more. Hmm. Yeah, once you get to five cycles in Frogger, you're like, yeah, it's just chaotic. It just gets course. super easy. Cars are flying there's tons of what you guys were saying before. The there's tons of like remakes and and sequels and did all sorts of stuff all, all the way through like the 2000s on Windows oh, yeah. phones. Like oh, yeah, Nintendo 3DS. There was a, there was a Frogger 3D. Yeah, there was a 3DS game. Frogger 2 on the Xbox 360. Right. Frogger Returns on the Wii and PlayStation 3. I mean, what was Returns. the? There was a Game Boy GBA one. It was like Frogger and like the Secret Temple or something. The the Hidden Temple. Which one was it? It was on the Game Boy Advance. It was like Frogger and the Secret Temple. Frogger's Journey, the Forgotten Relic. That's probably it. <laughs> the Forgotten Relic. Frogger's Adventures 2, The Lost Wand, that was also on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, I think it was the first See, one. See, I think they missed uh, missed it, but I didn't... Uh, well, what's the name of the, the one that, that we just said? The Frogger's something Tales? Well, one that he just said. Frogger's, Frogger's Journey, The Forgotten Relic. See, they messed up by not saying the Frogotten Relic. This is true. Ooh. They could have yeah. they could have gone relic. with the Frogotten Relic. Really messed up there. It'll be awful. Forgotten relic. Ruin my day. Ribbit. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh no, are you kidding? Okay, this is this is the game I was thinking of, Seamus. Frogger's Adventures, Temple of the Frog. Temple Frogger's of Advent- the Frog. Temple oh. of the Frog. I yeah. said Lost Temple Here it is. or something. You're right. Game Boy Frogger's Advance. Frogger's Adventures, yeah. 2001. Best game on the system. Fro- is it really? No. <laughs> oh. 
Frogger <laughs> searches five worlds for four sacred elements needed to rescue his friends and save his swamp. There you go. Hell yeah. Wow. He's like Shrek. Right. Wait, oh, when did this exactly game come like out? Shrek. This, this game, game came out, out in 2001. When was Shrek released? I think it was uh, like the same right year, around, around the same time, yeah. I think. So who stole from who? April tw- yeah. 22nd, 2001. Oh. Whoa. Cutting it close. Yeah. Are so saying, who took from who? Are you Whoa. saying Shrek could have been? Well, um, Frogger well, was November Frogger, 21st. Yeah, November 21st. Whoa. So, so uh, But which one was in development first? What's Shrek supposed to be again? An, an ogre. ogre. An ogre, yes. So an ogre. Kind of looks like a frog. Yeah, the green. Yeah. I mean, he, and if we scale it, yeah, and if we scale it like the game, you right. know, that's frog's true. about the size of a car. Right. Dude, this is true. Temple of the Frog sold 1.7 million copies. What? <laughs> it's, it's a great game. Temple of the Frog. <laughs> but you were just saying sarcastically how it wasn't a great game. No, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't played it since I was a kid, but I liked it. Dude, by August of the same year, they had made twenty-eight million dollars on this on this freaking game. Oh my! It's a fine game. I don't know if it's it's one point seven million copies. Good. It was the fifth highest selling game launch for the Game Boy Advance. Was it really (laughs) the fifth highest? Wow. Okay. How is that a thing? So we got Pokemon Emerald. I don't know what else was high selling for the GBA, and then Frogger's Adventure. Sure. I don't, I don't know what else was popular on the GBA. Frogger is also consistently uh, ranks like in top 10 or so of the greatest 50 arcade games ever made. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's one well of those deserved. classics. I think it is well-deserved. I mean, it's got such a legacy. It's so simple. It's so quaint. It is cute. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was rejected for being that, but... You know, it just goes to show you that when they did put it out there and test it, as we were saying before, it's Spanky's. It's a male-dominated audience. It's predominantly a male audience that is playing this game in, in the test field for 60 days, and everyone loves it. It's definitely, um, you know, not just a women and children's game because... Uh well, I enjoy it, so are you calling me a child if I play Frogger? So if that's the case, we're going to have a big problem. <laughs> I think they're calling you a woman. All right, well, that's a little more acceptable. You call me a woman, <laughs> don't call me a child. Very acceptable. You know, nothing wrong with, the, you know, having a game be a little bit feminine. You know? Yes, yes, of course. See, I look up, like, you know, greatest arcade games ever made, everyone's different lists, whatever, all the time, and... You know, I've got a problem when Frogger's not on the list and it's got like a game that I completely disagree with that we will get into later. Does but Frogger land on your top ten? Not in this not in these people's list. Well for your list, who I don't cares about wa- these people? For, oh in my personal list? Yes. Top five? No way. Top ten? I'd, I'd throw top, it in the top ten, 10. for me. Top three. for Golden Age Relax. era. For Golden Age era games, yeah, it, it it definitely, it's definitely in my top ten. Golden Age. Golden Age being basically from night like I like I've we've kind of said before from like 1979, 1980 to like 1982. Not that long. Okay. Golden Age is not that long. All right. Who goes there? Is there anybody in there? All right, calm down. Um, so, so do you think Frogger is as like recognizable as a character though, as someone like someone, 
as something like Pac-Man. Um, uh, I would say no, just yeah. because it's a frog. I mean, it looks like a Mack truck, but like... <laughs> Just on the, the screen, size of a Mack truck. Just on the screen, though, it's hard to really like. You can't pull from it. A pack like Pac-Man, you know it's Pac-Man. Yeah. Seeing a frog, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any Frogger T-shirts. No, I do not. Hmm. I see Pac-Man lunch boxes. Do you see? Do you see a Frogger lunch? Well, box? that's what I was asking. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's sold think like Pac-Man did. Yeah. He. It's, I don't no think merchandising. Yeah, I don't think Frogger makes it up <laughs> with with merchandising as much as we've see as much as we see Donkey Kong and Pac-Man and Mario. other games and Mario does certainly of course Mario just blows up. Um and that's maybe because it's just kind of like a nondescript frog. You know, he doesn't have a personality on the side art of the game of the original game, it's just a frog. It's just a frog leaping. Hmm. Um so he doesn't have anything per he he has no details or you know personality specifics that really stand out as an actual character. I think everyone recognizes what Frogger is when they see the screen and when everyone recognizes the arcade cabinet, they're like, Yeah, that's that's Frogger. As soon as they see it or, or video of it, they'll know it's Frogger. But as a character, I don't think he becomes that marketable. Yeah, so the gameplay is recognizable and yeah. marketable, but maybe not the character. And as far as Sega Gremlin goes, as far as Gremlin industry goes, as they're you know distributing for 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 Sega, um, before Gremlin kind of just fades away and goes away, Frogger is like their only Frogger's their only hit. I mean, I couldn't think of anything else that they kind of put out there that was like a massive hit in conjunction with 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 Sega. Um, oh, for Sega Gremlin. I was going to say Sega. Right. No, for Gremlin. For Gremlin. Right. Um and I had to look it up and we do have a Mooncrusta, but oh. which is, you know, Invaders Galaga just yeah. like, you know, rip rip, rip off in a yeah. sense. Just more but colorful. Frogger is their Frogger is their game. You know, much like Cubert was the game for Gottlieb, Frogger is the game for Gremlin Sega, Sega Gremlin. It's their one big boy game. Yeah, sure. Back to the merchandising uh, aspect of it. I kind of find it more impressive on a gaming standpoint, at least, that it was able to sell that well without having to, you know, broaden the horizons outside of the game. It sold all those copies just by being the game. You know, the promotion side of it was just the game. You didn't need to have a Frogger t-shirt, a Frogger lunchbox, you know, anything of that matter. Frogger cartoon show. Yes. Saturday morning cartoon yeah, show. seriously, and it's a frog crossing a highway for a half an hour. That'd you know, be great. Like, I, I would... Uh, who knows, who knows the lore, man? There might be some crazy lore in Frogger that we don't know about. This is true. There should be like a Frogger gnome. What? What? A Frogger gnome? Yeah. What? It could what be are a nice on gnomes for? Yeah, what what, what's up mean? with you be, and gnomes? Why, why are you good, obsessed with gnomes? It could be a good garden ornament. Oh, a Frogger, God. classic Frogger arcade. Yeah. Gnome. You know, well, yeah, I think too. You, got, th you know, think of the year. You know, <laughs> wow. the year is is 1981. So, Frogger catches fire and does so well because it's also released at the height 
of the arcade in 1981. I mean, 1981, Donkey Kong, Defender, Frogger, Miss Pac-Man, Tempest. Uh, Stargate comes out later that year. Centipedes in 1981. So you have all these, you know, big golden age classic era games come out all at the same time. And Frogger just, you know, jumps in there at the right time and they put it out at the right time where then everyone falls in love with it. And it is a game that is not specified to any age group and it's not specified to any any sex. So it goes back to this Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man thing, Centipede, Millipede thing where it's, it's an everybody game. Yeah. It's an everybody game. Which when you're looking to make money off of People putting right. in quarters, that's that's what you want. Right. And I guess, like you said, it's also a bit of, you know, the right time at the right place in 1981, where all these games are releasing along with it. So if you make a game that flops in 1981, you should probably pack your bags, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, there were some games released in 81 that definitely, I would say, were kind of flops. Not necessarily flops, just games that were kind of like, eh. You know, they they were kind of like forgettable by everything else, though. Well, too, I mean, yeah, a lot of great games. yeah, when you have to compete with Ms. Pac-Man, that Frogger, too, yeah, yes, that doesn't help. That's true. That centipede. This is fair. And you also had gnomes. companies at that time just trying to gravitate towards making anything and even just kind of cloning themselves. And you know, Stern releases Scramble and Super Cobra in 1981, the same year. Super Cobra is just a, is literally just a sprite swap of of um, Scramble, so everyone's jumping on board in 1981. But I'm sure, yeah, if you make an arcade game in 1981 that is absolute an absolute dog, yeah, you're probably gonna want to pack your bags. Yeah, which, I mean, which eventually leads to the the arcade crash and the video game crash because mm-hmm. everybody's just putting out junk. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, we don't talk about that here. Especially Atari. Yeah, I think they got too cocky thinking that, you know, people would just Anything buy it because sell. it's a video game. Yeah. yeah. You know, people give a shit about video game quality. Like like with Pac-Man. <laughs> and the greatest game on the 2600, E.T., the extraterrestrial. <sighs> Dude, it's a great game. It's not. Dude's got pitfalls, you know. That's right. You know, see, the, the best part is, is that if, you know, you read the manual, hmm. like before you played it, it's not the worst game. I've you have played to it before. Pick up pictures of picks up like pieces of the phone. Yeah, don't yeah, don't get me wrong. The uh, the suit guys are a pain in the ass, but you know. And you have to like, like you fly by like lifting your neck up. Yep. So, Frogger. I'm going to correct myself a little bit. Frogger. So Sega Gremlin is responsible for something that to something arcade else. to arcade enthusiasts is extremely important. So in 1981. Again, same year Frogger's released. When did we say Frogger's released? What month in North America? Uh, did I put it at? I think I had it. North America it was, was released September. September. Right. So in June of that year, a couple months earlier, they had released a game called Space Fury, which I've never played Space Fury. I've never seen it. I've never played it. I have, you know, watched being played. I've ever watched videos of it. It's a multi-directional shooter. It's Psycho Gremlin. It's not that great of a game, but its importance is 
it actually is the first game with color vector graphics. Hmm. And it's the second game to use speech synthesis. Ooh. Hmm. So the first game ever to use color vector graphics, so then we get Tempest out of that Tempest. later on, right? Yep. We get Star Wars out of that later on. We get all those great color, but uh, so yeah, Space Fury, Fury apparently, hmm. you know, released by Sega Gremlin, is the first game to use color vector. Does it do well, or? Because um, I've never heard of it. I think it's apparently got positive reviews, but. I think it was, I guess it was kind of forgettable because, you know, I've never played it. Yeah. I've never really found it desirable to kind of go after one. But now that I know it's the first color vector, makes it a little more desirable to me now to go, to go find, yeah. to go find one or build one, for God's sakes, which oh, is kind of cool. It makes it more desirable. But, yeah. But I mean, at the same, at the same time, it's kind of... <laughs> If you didn't know that it was the first colored uh, Vectrex like game, would you give a shit about it? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it's only now that I've yeah. no. now that I found out it's the first color vector graphic. Now I'm like, that'd be interesting to go find one of those and yeah, maybe play on original cheap. hardware and see you know see what see what, see it's, what it's all like. about. It's like if you play get it for the collection just because it is the first color vector. Oh, but yeah, and and if I'm going to be honest, like the colored Vectrex like or the vector graphics with the the wood paneling side art oof, takes you right back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Definitely. that'd be beautiful. Definitely. Now, Seamus, here's the million-dollar question. Yeah. Does it have a trackball? <laughs> oh, my God. Does that God. have a trackball? <laughs> if, it, if it has trackball, I, then we I'm have to quitting, get it. on the quitting this job. Then we have to get it. If it has a trackball, we're getting to it. you might want to take your words back. There better be a trackball in this. If there's a trackball in this, then we know we're getting two. We're getting at least two. Thank God. So God what it is, now is it's it. basically an Asteroids clone hmm. because you have rotation left and right and thrust and fire. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Oh, okay. Where's the so chart? it's a color so vector clone. clone version of Asteroids. Okay. So now, ooh, Asteroids. now that just kind of made it a little bit less With a trackball. Yes. One, it does not have a trackball. And two, it's just kind of like a, a spin on Asteroids. We yeah. still need a full episode dedicated to the trackball. Yeah, we, we're going to have it. It's going to be we've we recorded sooner one. rather we know than we later. Didn't. We didn't. All right. All no. right. Okay. Every episode so, feels like it's a dedication to the trackball. This isn't the Arcade Age podcast. It's the trackball. I swear we've right. recorded it. I've been I've been at work for for like 6 7 hours today. Yes. And I've just been sitting editing podcasts and every 30 minutes I just hear 20 minutes of trackball track talk. talk. Yes. All right. I'm done with trackballs. <laughs> Can we please move on from trackballs today? We will, have an, we will have a dedicated episode that I will not attend. <laughs> that you will not attend. I mean, you have to attend. That. You're the, you're no, the I'll dude. set it up. He'll and set I'll go everything right up outside. and leave. He's going to set up and walk out. <laughs> okay. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Arcade Age podcast. Put those scissors down, Chris. No, it's fine. They're children's safety scissors, Zach. Thank you very much for listening to our episode. If you like this one, be sure to check out our many other episodes that we now have uploaded to whatever platform you're listening to this on. Spotify and Spotify, Apple, Apple. among others. Just about everything. Yeah. U-Torrent. Wherever <laughs> fine podcasts Lime are. LimeWire. Wherever fine podcasts are served. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you again next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Arcade Age Exhibit Podcast. 
hope you enjoyed your time with our hosts, Seamus, Zach, Jake, Sean, Chris, and Jose. Tune in next week, and remember, the future is now.